Welcome along to the Candy Pants Lifestyle Podcast. I'm Nick, and if you're a fan of podcasts hosted by nervous-sounding Geordies, well, you're in exactly the right place. If you've ever been on holiday to Marbella, chances are you would have come across this week's guest. Built like a superhero, his meteoric rise to success has been fairly super too. From Street Flyer Boy to the Man Mountain, behind some of the most iconic venues in Porta Benus, it's the journey of how a lad from Liverpool became the modern-day Mr. Marbella. This is the journey of Mr. Phil Savage. So, Phil, arguably the original Mr. Marbella, how are you getting on? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, bro. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. So if we go right back to the start, how did you initially get into parties? Um, I'd love to claim that I was the original, but I wasn't quite the original. There's uh, another generation that came just a little bit before me. So I used to be an engineer by trade. I worked for Unilever. Decided to um, take a sabbatical from work. So I went to Marbella, a new Spencer from, from Liverpool. I went to some of the Sintelay parties in, uh, in Liverpool. Anyway, decided to go to Marbella because it looked like the, the place to go and asked Spencer if there was any work going which he said that there was and so he took me into consideration gave me the good news that I could go um, the sabbatical from work got green lighted and I went over it was never meant to be a career change but um, when it, you know when you see uh, the lifestyle um, the money obviously is a, it's obviously a big incentive but just I felt like I could bring something to the table a lot of people I found back then it's a little bit different now it's a lot more competitive but back then um, people were there on holiday uh, or for, for you know to have some time off for a few months and I took sort of like a hard work ethic with me if, not to blow my own trumpet so I went yeah. over worked hard did well learned the trade and then you know when the time was right uh, we moved on part of ways so then you then went and set up Ultima, is that right? What made you decide to go and do that and set up your own thing? All right, so I worked for Marcio Spencer. They bought a club called Tiba, which is part of the Linux group, which you probably yeah. know about. But then we get about halfway into the summer, well, a little bit earlier than that, around June time, and they still hadn't received their late license. So we were still trying to create a party, which we were doing but earlier on. And we had Pangea as well. It was a conflict. It was quite difficult. Right. And the owners of Dreamers approached me and asked if I had help them with the VIP section which they just kitted out upstairs in Dreamers called Lolo Lounge which we did it became iconic we absolutely smashed it it was the place to go that summer and then at the end of the summer uh, it looked like Tibu got a plate license I did a party there on uh, New Year's for them and um, and left Lolo Lounge and then the following year I just sensed there was going to be problems between the Linux group wanting me to work at Tibu and yeah. Dreamers wanted me to work there. And I got an offer to work at Funky Butter. And we started with um, Seven, which is a bar on the back line, right next to Linux, actually. But that was great. And uh, we changed the, the club from a, a nightclub called Vanity. And I rebranded it. We called it Funky Butter. I spoke with the guys at the time in London who have Funky Butter there. And we decided to do like cross promotions and send each other clients. It worked really well. And I, we started bringing acts over. So um, before that, Dreamers have brought big acts like uh, Swedish House Mafia and David Guetta. Uh, 
that no one else was really doing at that point. And so rather than step on Michael, who owns Dreamer's Toes, who I respect, and he's a lovely guy and he's been great to me as well over the years, I thought I'd go a different direction so not to compete with him. And we brought over the likes of 50 Cent and Pharrell Williams yeah. and then a few others. Um, and then since then I've had uh, Tiny Temper, um, Chris Brown, uh, we've oh got the list goes on loads. We've had loads. Neo, we've had loads. We had about four or five every single year for about six years oh. until everybody else starts doing it. And then it's, what was it like working with some of those people? Great. Um, I, I've got some really, I'm from the Wirral in the UK. <laughs> I used to be an engineer, you know, and then I'm picking 50 cents up from the airport and I'm meeting Chris Brown getting off his private jet and. And I'm getting to know these guys. I uh, met with Neo. He stayed for a few days. That's how I sold it to him. Like, look, come. This is what we can offer. But what I'll do is I'll put you in this hotel. I'll make sure you're looked after everywhere you go. I'll, you know, wine and dine and basically have a holiday because he had a break in between shows. Right. Uh, so, so I get to know him. And then me and my missus, before we had the little one, we'd gone to L.A. And uh, we were actually eating an STK in L.A. And we were sat right next to him. And when we finished, we decided to, we were getting up to leave and he was coming back from the toilet and, and he's like, Phil, I'm like, no way. Does he remember <laughs> me? You know, I, was, I wasn't going to say anything, but he, he recognized my name. He's like, Marbella, Marbella. I said, that's right. Yeah. At the time he, he performed in a club called Aquamist. So uh, that was uh, my first nightclub that I had shares in. So I wouldn't call myself the owner. I was the active owner. So uh, like managing partner. Um, so for all intents and purposes, anybody who went there would think that I was the out-and-out -out owner, but that was with the Sala group, who have um, La Sala, Sala Beach. Uh, they have a restaurant called Oak and a couple of other things here. Um, so how did that come was, about? You, How did it come about you ended up thinking, oh, well, I'm going to be partners in, you know, to be involved in a nightclub rather than just as a promoter? Yeah, the Sala group, they were going to buy downstairs from La Sala, there's three locales that are going to buy all of three of them and make into a nightclub, but only if I come on board. We went to look at it. La Sala was smashing it at the time. Uh, it was an English company, which makes it obviously a lot more relatable being English uh, and, and dealing with the with the owners and stuff. For this was um, was a lot easier, and we, we were, seemed to be on the same page with what we wanted for the club. So we did it. Um, I moved across. I have to say. I loved Aqua and it did feel like my like my first baby, you know, that yeah. my first project that I managed to sink my teeth into. But I wasn't really given much authority in terms of how the club looked and and uh, it was very like neon style and stainless stainless steel and stuff. I like a little more softer, a little more timeless um, designs, you know, so and a little more elegant maybe. But we made it work. Um, we made it work. It was fantastic, and I had five years there, and some of the best five years that I. I had and um, fortunately managed to get it open for the start of May and, and we went from there. It was, uh, we did have, we had a bumpy start because some things weren't finished in the club. I ended up shutting the club for two weeks to, to make some improvements. And then, and then from there we went from strength to strength. What was that like for you to kind of go from, you know, essentially a, a promoter on the street to being involved in an actual nightclub in Morbia? Yeah, it was, again, it's surreal. The whole thing even now is surreal. I have to pinch myself sometimes because, I had a, don't get me wrong, I love my life. I got a great set of mates back home. And um, I was skinned now, pardon me, but I was skinned. And um, and then to go from, to transition from that into this, and then do quite well in a relatively short period of time. Um, I didn't really take stock of it until more recently that I started to realise that, you know, people used to say, oh, you're 
Mr. Marbay and stuff like this. But I never, I sort of shrugged it off. It's not, you know, I've never taken that tail. So after you had Aquamist, where did yeah. the whole Plaza thing suddenly come about? So, um, so when I worked with Aqua, uh, they had Salah Beach. And uh, when I've worked with Scintillator um, over the years, we've worked with Ocean Club and Nikki Beach. Uh, where else have we worked? But they, they were the main two daytime venues that we work with. And I knew that the formula that went into working with a daytime venue. And then as I'd, I had a full-time promo team, it wasn't just weekends. So seven days a week, day and night, I'd have a, a team. So I already had the sort of infrastructure and the staff, promo staff, to uh, to try and make it work. And, and obviously, they're all hungry to make as much money as possible. So the more shifts that I can give them... Um, the more money everyone makes, including myself. But initially, that wasn't how I got into it. So I worked with Salah Beach. they seen the success of Aqua. And then they approached me to do... Uh, sorry, I worked with Aqua, and they approached me about Salah Beach after seeing how well Aqua did. And I said, would I like to work there? We did a deal. It wasn't the best for me. But it covered my costs, and it gave my staff more work. It makes me more appealing to work for, yeah. which means I get the better staff because I can give better wages. So I was, I was happy with that. And in a way, I saved money because normally I'd be paying for a day, day team um, to supplement the night from yeah. nighttime money, but this way it paid for the day. So I saved in a sense. I didn't make, but I saved. So so we did that with the Salah Beach, and it was in, it was great. Salah Beach is a beautiful venue. The food is amazing. It's got a little pool, and then on the other side of the Paseo, they've got a beach area as well. So it went really well. Uh, my friend Mark, who manages Panji, and now he's actually doing Salah Beach, and it's going from strength to strength. It's still doing really well. The numbers are great. So he's done an amazing job there as well, which is which is brilliant. But uh, we did that for a couple of years, and then Ocean Club made me an offer to be their in-house um, promotional team. So I took it because uh, I already made commission out of uh, Ocean Club because we I've worked with them for so many years. A lot of people felt comfortable booking Ocean Club with me uh, uh, back in the day when uh, I'd be running around with a, a card credit card machine in the middle of nighttime, then you taking people's credit cards for the last remaining bed Saturday night for a spray. Uh, tops the old manager call me I, I rush down they say look we've got 10 beds here left which we just put out now we've created more beds we've put another six over here Phil can you get them sold you know I'd be finishing this Saturday night with pockets full of cash and and uh, taking credit card payments messaging the hostess team letting them know what beds are available don't sell it on the door don't sell it on the door this and then I'd be have to be up first thing in the morning because the people who've been out want to get there first to get to the beds that they've paid a fortune for yeah. So then I'm having to go and get, so I'd have like two hours, kept those champagnes for every weekends used to kill me. But the longest short of it was that we worked for Ocean Club. I had a good rep there. So uh, they made me an offer to go and work for them, which was a little bit better than Salah Beach. So I took the offer. I couldn't know. So I went to Ocean Club and it went really well. Uh, but then Plaza Beach was used to be great back in the day. It's never been massive capacity, but it's had some great parties when I first arrived back in 2006 and seven. Uh, and then it sort of die off because a few people left working for them, including Scintillate. So it was just sort of left its own devices. I think the management that they picked was pretty um, shoddy as well. And, and so in the end, it was just sort of ran down. So I went to go and speak with them because, like I said, I love taking on a business that's got a lot of potential but is underutilized. So we... Uh, we went there, and I left Ocean Club because um, I knew what I could do with Plaza Beach, and I knew the numbers that it could make if I was there, um, and so and I knew the money that, that would mean I would make, you know. So it was um, yeah. now it's like 
three fourfold of what I was making at Ocean Club at the time. So it was it was a good move in hindsight. Uh, so yeah, that was that. We took Plaza Beach, and now I think Plaza are some of the best parties that Marbella uh, has. Some of the best daytime parties that Marbella has. It's um, those champagne spray weekends in Ocean Club is typically on the payday weekend or the bank holidays and that means a huge influx of tourists from all over Europe and um, Plaza kills it. Do you think Plaza almost gave Marbella back a little bit of something it might have been missing for a while? Yeah, well we, again, um, there were daytime parties but they were more high-end like, but they're very expensive and um, we did something where it's a party every weekend uh, I mean, we we put something on every day of the week, but naturally the weekends are busier. So, and uh, Thursdays are great, but Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Santa Plaza, you're always guaranteed a good party where you can let your hair down and uh, and have some good fun. And as you know, we have um, candy pants there as well, which is, you know, I, I absolutely love it. We have Colin Francis down there, so we have a, like brilliant, familiar Marbella faces uh, every single weekend down at the beach, which. Yeah, you've seen for yourself. The, uh, it does. It does incredible. What was it then that made you go back into nightclubs and do Mirage, especially when you'd done one before and like you know how? Hot yeah, I never is. left. I never left. I was with. I, I, I was in Aqua, and I was there five years. Um, I don't like to stay stagnant. The, and there, there were things within the Salad Group where I maybe could have got involved with, and I hadn't. It hadn't been suggested they'd done it on their own. But then I would have to help after, you know, to help them promote. Yeah. Prom- so they get me for free almost. And because I'm that guy that say, yeah, of course I'll help. You know, um, so, and I just sort of felt I was always always being overlooked because they could overlook me because I wasn't sticking my neck out. So, but way back, right at the very beginning, me and Justin, Jussie, we couldn't believe that glam, we couldn't believe how it was underperforming. Justin used to say, well, we both used to say, I'd love to get our hands on that place and this and the other, but time went on. Justin left the business and I was five years I was in Aquafor. And then um, I ended up making the decision to uh, make an offer to the to the owners of, of, of Glam and take it off the hands. So we got to, we finally got to decision, an agreement and that's uh, where Mirage started. I, I invested everything that I had at the time, everything and more into it. And, uh, but fortunately, um, it's paid off. I think it's beautiful, the club. I think its design should stand the test of time. But we do always reinvest. So, uh, like, even now, we're, we've we've just sunk a load of money into a refurb, which maybe in hindsight I wouldn't have done, knowing the problems that everyone is encountering at the moment. But it's going to look beautiful, and the work looks incredible. So, and it is an improvement to the venue in terms of its layout which is a positive, so that's how I'm trying to look at it. We spent the money, but it's going to be money that's going to pay dividends in the end because um, because of how it's going to look and, and how it's going to space people out as well, which is great. So, yeah, but Mirage has gone from strength to strength since we opened. We, um, we did everything. I wanted the best of everything. Just, just like if you open a restaurant, you want the best chef, you open a nightclub, you want the best DJs, you want the best sound system, you want the best visuals. So we've got like a huge CO2 Megatron system, we've got a 10 meter wide uh, high definition video wall. We've got a function one sound system. We've got everything. Uh, the club's got absolutely everything. And we keep adding to it. Uh, we've just added a new laser system in there. We've added new robots this winter as well. So when we do open, it's going to be incredible. And those that get to see it are going to be blown away.
Do you know what? You can tell that as well with Mirage. There's a lot of nightclubs that someone spent a lot of money, but because it's dark and because you're in a nightclub, you don't notice it. But I feel like every element of Mirage, you can really see that someone, like, bloody hell, someone's put a lot of thought into this. Yeah, even down to, like, the trellis that we put in at certain areas. Even down now, we've just done the toilets as well, and and we had these gold slats, but we put um, tinted mirrors in between the gold slats, and just these small things that some people wouldn't, wouldn't notice. We changed the bar tops. We've done some beautiful underlighting, changed some uh, the LEDs in certain areas to create a slightly different mood for this this space. So we keep refining uh, every year and try to stay keep relevant. I don't. I love the brand Mirage. I love the idea. I love its success. I, what I don't want to do is let it become stagnant, and then in you know three, four, five years, it's time to refurb. I'd rather gradually refurb and 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 keep it current. And up to date, you know, with with what's happening in the industry, as a and, and brag about it that we've done this and we've done that, and you know, it's all good publicity as well as making the place more functional and beautiful. Uh, then let it make its money. Five years down the line, it's it looks old hat, and we've lost money essentially as well because people have stopped going. So I'd rather look at it a different way and keep reinvesting, so that people are always happy to go there and always happy to see what it looks like. And have you seen this now? And another talking point about what we've done, even if it's to change the service or, you know, um, special bottles of rum or things like this. Like there's a few Japanese um, whiskies and things that we're the only ones to sell. We're the first ones to get in uh, some special tequilas as well. So to people who know, you know, the high-end clientele that know what they like and yeah. will try the best of things we have out there for them as well. So we try to, we cater for everybody. We have our standards, you know, it's not like some of, some of the uh, businesses in the area that you would see. Um, but um, it's, it's the place that you go to get dressed up, you know, you, you wear your best clothes that night when you go into Mirage. That's the type of place it is. So, yeah. How much of a leap was it for you then to obviously open Voodoo and bring in kind of a restaurant element as well? Well, originally, um, so I work at a News Cafe. News Cafe is a bar. So we open News Cafe around. It's open all day, but it turns into like a nightclub bar from 10 p.m. And it goes on till 3, 4, weekends is 4. So, and it does extremely well. But there's only really um, news cafe in Pangea that cater for that clientele that we would see in Mirage. And Mirage is, you can fit both of them in no problem inside of Mirage and we still have capacity. So they're coming from somewhere. Um, so myself and Nick, one of the owners of News Cafe, decided that there's capacity for another bar in, in Port Venus. Um, it's because it's what we know. We didn't straight, we, we spoke about doing a restaurant, but we thought, less risk would be we open as a bar and it'd be easier to get ready as well and easy also as well because we bought i think it was like march and um, it only gave us a couple of months to get it ready so we had a huge workforce in there and unfortunately we only got it ready around mid i think it was the 21st of june so it took longer than we expected as well cost us more than double what we wanted to invest but the place looks stunning it's probably my best looking venue it's arguably i mean mirage is beautiful as well i can't believe you just said that yeah so they're both beautiful <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah but um voodoo so we opened it and it's so exciting the terrace is beautiful as well and it went really well but we didn't have any build up um to do the promo because we bought it so late and uh, we've still had to establish we need to come up with obviously the name the branding the theme and, and whatever else so it, it we didn't have a huge build up and get it into people's minds before the summer so it literally we opened and then we were talking about it so we knew that the first year wasn't going to be um 
f- phenomenal. But we thought because of its location, it's right next door to Mirage. Uh, we thought there's a lot of footfall, the place where all the taxis drop people off to come into Port Manus. We'll get them first. When they first come, we offer these fantastic cocktails, and which is something that nobody else is doing that end of the port. It's only one other place, Astro. Uh, which is more of a daytime evening venue. It's not somewhere you go to party. Yeah. Uh, so we thought we'd we'd combine top end service, beautiful uh, vessels for the cocktails, and like I say, it went really well. But we could have done better. And um, so we came to August and we sat down. Me and Nick, we decided we'll go with our original idea, which was to put um, a kitchen in. Uh, we went through the designs over once we closed in October, and then we got to work. We opened in November. After putting in this incredible kitchen with this top-end um, ovens and cookers and things like this, which cost a fortune, but it, we again, uh, somebody said to me, one of my friends many years ago, was if you want to open the best restaurant, get the best kitchen, the best kitchen staff, but most importantly, the best chef. And so we we fat, we we were very lucky with the chef, and it was ready in November. We decided, even though it was only going to be working with locals. Uh, and we couldn't expect like a seven day a week crowd. We decided to open uh, over the winter, knowing that we'd have to invest some money towards wages and things to to sustain the business. But it went really well, um, and it's extremely well received in in Marbella. What do you think has been the biggest change you've seen in Marbella across all those years you've been there? Um, I often ask the question: Do you think Marbella is as busy as what it used to be? But it's, it it has to be more busy. Um, firstly, I get to see the numbers of the venues, so uh, the the money is still there, the clients are still coming, and the uh, the turnover of the venues is going up year on year. There's loads of new investments here. Um, Taui also came. Um, firstly, investment, like I was saying, there's a lot more investment here, uh, and it's a lot more known now. Before, it was like a niche market. So when I heard about it, not many people. Had would know of Marbella unless you really were in the know and mostly from London some people from Manchester you wouldn't really see much else but now then you have the Tawi Law um, which came over and they made it a little more mainstream which is good and bad for the resource a lot of people would say that it's bad but it created more footfall um, and so businesses would do better but it maybe brought the level of clientele maybe down from like a, a nine to an eight something like this but yeah. that passed um, and now and now I would say we're, what we're left with is is an international resort that gets the best of um, what's around the entirety of Europe. So we have beautiful people coming from France and Paris. We have beautiful Scandinavian people who love it here. Um, we, you know, uh, unfortunately, we have both scenes. So I love Ibiza. It's probably one of my favorite places in the world. So this isn't a knock, but you have to like that. If you yeah. go Ibiza... That's what you're into. Um, but here in Marbella, we, it offers everything. It's, it's house and R&B. It's quite commercial. But there are some clubs that are only house. There are some clubs that are only R&B and hip-hop. And the same with the beach clubs and same with the bars. So depending on what your taste is, there's a lot more variety um, for, you know, if you're not just, if you love all genres of music, which many of us do, you know, no one's defined by one set of music. Well, you know, when you actually look back at it, it is almost insane to think that, you know, you kind of started out giving out flyers like a standard PR yeah. in Morvia, and now you've got all of this stuff. Like, what's your goal I now? Still, like, what do you want to achieve? I don't know. I, I still I still hand out flyers now. If I see the need to do it and, and get muck in, I will. It's, 
don't get me wrong, it's far and few between, but uh, I do do it. And I sometimes to prove a point to the PR team, like, guys, what are you playing at? Blah, 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 like this. And then I just get stuck in and start moving some bodies myself. But what's my goal? My goal? I mean, I've got goals, personal goals. I want to have some beach at some point, whether it's when I retire, whether it's sooner. But goal is to do things, do things well, keep a good reputation um, and be secure for the future. I presume I've got a little boy. He's the love of my life. So, um, you know, I want to give him a, a great uh, education. I want to give him, uh, you know, school and home life and happy memories for him to grow up. So he's a well-balanced kid. And I would like for him, don't to be spoiled, but having him not want for something or go through difficult hardships, which, you know, that's obviously anyone, something anyone would, would choose. And that's, I suppose that's my goal at the moment is to, um, keep doing what I do, uh, seize opportunities when they arise, work with good people in the industry, such as yourselves. And, um, and yeah, see, see where the journey takes me. I, Last one, but if you could make a phone call, right, bear with this. If you could make a phone call back to yourself back in 2006 when you arrived in Marbella and you could speak to Phil yeah. then, what advice would you give him based on what you know now? Um, self-confidence, I think. I, uh, I, I doubted myself when I was a little bit younger. And now I always do my due diligence when I'm going into a meeting or something like this, but I believe in myself to find solutions to questions that are raised in meetings or disagreements that might happen um so i think i, I think i would choose i think i would tell myself to believe it believe in yourself a little bit more and i and i probably show a picture of my family and say you're gonna be okay bro <laughs> you're gonna be okay just to stay the course do you know what i mean i think if that phil could see where you are now and all the things you've achieved he's going to be blown away <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I think he would, yeah, because uh, it's a life that some people dream of. Do you know what, right? The best, the, probably the best thing I could say to you is, I mean, that probably hasn't been what, like, maybe like seven or eight years since I worked in Montpellier. Yeah. But from then, from when Drew Jones introduced me to, um, yeah. to you, to now, where I mean, I live in Dubai most of the time, and the number mm. of times people, people mention Montpellier and they'll, you know, who do you know, and bring up you, and. There is not a person who seems to have a bad word to say about you, which in this industry is actually unbelievable. <laughs> like it's yeah, such an achievement in itself. Thank you, yeah, mate. Um, thank you so much for saying that. It means a lot to me. There you have it. The journey of yet another of the nice guys of nightlife, Mr. Phil Savage. This summer, it's the season we thought might just never happen, but Marbella will be back open for business from July and it promises to be a summer unlike any other. Don't forget to keep an eye on our social media at Candy Pants Global for what's on when. We'll be back at both Plaza Beach and Mirage from July 18th. We'll also be back with a podcast next week speaking to Love Island's very own Amy Hart. But until then... As always, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you all very soon.